0: Last minute request, this kind of just popped in my head, but once we had set it up, good people just start singing the song, Jesus Loves Me. Uh-huh. Jesus This song shares one of those two very important things to the Christian faith. Jesus and the Bible. And it is fantastic, because how do we get to know the Bible? We can talk about Jesus, but if we're not really getting into the Scriptures, you know, we're missing out on such a crucial piece of the Word of God. Now we're going to go over, I'm not going to be preaching to you a sermon, I'm not going to be talking to you about a famous doctrine. I'm simply going to go over and teach, gonna teach about what's called hermeneutics. hermeneutics is getting to the Bible from the original context, from the author's perspective. Because in the end, the Holy Spirit thro- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Spirit spoke through moral men. And that is the context I think that matters more to me. Not on my opinion, not on college I went to, or what I heard from a pastor, but the word of God is spoken through regular people. Now we're going to be going over, we're going to be reading out of uh, Joshua chapter 2 a lot tonight, so I really want to encourage you, if you've got your Bibles, go over. I'm going to be reading out of ESV, but uh, uh, yeah. So I just gave you a basic into what is called hermeneutics, and it sounds like a very technical term, but literally. It's just, what did the author say? Now I'm going to give you a little uh, Merriam-Webster dictionary. Hermeneutics, plural and form, but singular or plural construction. The study, the methodological principles, and the interpretation of the Bible. Now, it's really important that we understand why do we need to understand the original context. You know, it's really sad. When you look at the news, you'll hear Christians yelling a bunch of hatred or Sometimes people will just be going over and just completely just taking like one verse of the scripture and just using it to their own personal method, and it's really, it's really sad. So, and you know, people are fighting and struggling over thousands of different views. So when we go back from, back to the original perspective, it's a beautiful thing. So we're going to start on how do we do this? We're going to go over and we're going to start with what we call the literal context. This is just literary, or how the author did it. We're not going to focus on the world around the author. We're not going to focus on, uh, you know, how does it apply to our life? Because that's a very dangerous thing. When we go over, we need to go straight to application. We sometimes miss the Bible. We add our own application. So, literary context is the words sentences, or paragraphs, or shared chapters that surround and relate to a text. So, when we go over, how do you think uh, we get a, since I'm speaking out of Joshua chapter 2, what's important to read? Anyone got a guess? Joshua chapter 1. That's a pretty good grade. Also Joshua chapter 3, chapter 4, and through the entire book of Joshua. This can take about 30 minutes but so many times we just want to go over and we want to pick out a little piece of the Bible and just go over and do it. And a uh, <coughs> professor who taught this course, his name was uh, Nicholas Pietrowski, and he went over and told me this beautiful quote. He said, The Bible is not a book of witty one-liners or our famous quotes. And although, you know, I, it's fine to go over and add them to your Instagram photos, that's not the entire purpose of the Bible right next to a cup of coffee or tea. That's not the purpose of it. Although, that is fine, guys, don't worry. You guys can still keep doing that. (laughs) So, when we go over and we focus on this, we focus on the words, we focus on the paragraphs. As I said, we're not focusing on what happened, like, okay, Joshua, not looking at, okay, why is God using Joshua? We're just looking at the character. We're looking at themes. Is, Ashwa, is it a book of songs? Is it a book of wisdom? Is it a book of future prophecies? Well, when we go and we read it, it's a very it's a historical book. But it's not like a history book on George Washington. There is a purpose for this book. And every single that purpose leads to Jesus. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself right now. So, what is happening? Why is the chapter here? Here, what is it doing to the rest of the book? Paragraphs, and chapters, and how to find its literary context. (laughs) Now, I'm gonna get a little nerdy on you, but first off, you gotta read the entire book. So for this, you can do Joshua, you can do this in Genesis, read the entire book. After that, try to locate the genre and theme. So, I love science fiction, I love fantasy, I love this. And sometimes we can locate some of those same genres just history, poems, and we can find those things. Now after this, you're gonna hear this a lot, Reread the book. Pick a chapter and compare its verses. Why does this part belong where it is? Where is it going on around it? Or what is going on around it? Not necessarily in the outside world, like what city is going on around it. But why is Joshua 2 located to where it is? Are there major themes in our events? After that, one second. <laughs> Find yourself a Bible introduction. Now, this is technically this can go run you about thirty-five bucks, but you don't have to buy one of these. Most church libraries have these. Most school libraries have these. You can simply go over. This is an introduction to the Old Testament, and I can just simply go over and go to Joshua. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. <laughs> I can go over, I can find out the historical background. That's not necessarily what I'm looking for. But I'm just getting an overview idea, just looking at it. it's really it's really not that complicated. There's the land, there's the role of Joshua. Why is it what does it do to the how does it affect the future? And specifically, how does it affect Jesus? Because if a book does not have anything to do with Jesus, it's not in the Bible. And Joshua is exactly the same. Reread the the book. Pick a chapter and compare its verses. Why does it belong where it is? What's going on there? And are there major themes? Names. I don't want to read this. Keep rereading until, until you're not just comfortable but you're familiar with the text. This is just gonna be really important. And once again, do not rush to application. We're not trying to go over and create a sermon. We're trying to understand the Bible from its literal context. I'm gonna go over, oh, these are some lyrics, (laughs) whoops. I'm gonna go over and I'm gonna grab, give you a very, that's a one-page version of what I did for my hermeneutics course on literal context. Should be very simple, uh, very quick, very simple. The book of Joshua, chapter 2, is written in a historical format, so it is a history book with several important characters. Two unknown spies, Rahab and Joshua. The location of this chapter is very important because it is immediately after Joshua commanded the people for within three days you were to pass over and to, the, uh, and to take possession of the land that the Lord is giving you to possess. That's found in Joshua chapter 1, verses 11. So once again, we got to read Joshua chapter 1, surrounding itself. The text has four phases, beginning with the mission. Joshua sends two spies into the city of Jericho to scout out the land. While lodging at a prostitute's house, the king of Jericho demands that the men of Israel be brought out. But Rahab claims the men have escaped. And after the king sets out, Rahab goes to her roof. She is hid as two spies. The next phase is a revelation. Rahab tells the men that all of Jericho has heard the tales of the Red Sea, the defeat of the kingdoms. Afterward, the prostitute begs for her life and her family. Phase three is the promise to keep Rahab and her family safe, and she helps the men escape. The final phase is the reporting to Joshua stating, Truly, the Lord has given the land into our hands. Chapter two is not because of the survey of Jericho or the mission to see it, but to fulfill the promise made to Rahab, go to, into this woman's house and bring out there the woman and all who belong to her as he swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mothers and brothers, all who belonged to her. So, when we go over and you look through the book, Joshua chapter 2 only really focuses on, chap- it's only really connected to chapter 1 and also the chapter after with the victory in Jericho. So it it's really gives you an insight that's not application, but how it affects the rest. After this, we're gonna go over, this is a, one of my favorite parts, historical context. The historical context is basically entering into the world of the Bible characters. So we're not necessarily looking on the message of the text or what, how the text affects we're going over, we're going to learn about the history of the people. And when we can understand the world around it, we can better see what the author is talking about. Once again, you're going to hear the step over and over, read the entire book. When you go over and do that, who is the author? Is this book intended as history? Look for cities and customs. Why did the author write this? Your Bible dictionary is going to be your best friend. Bible dictionary, it's not going to give you any theological revelation, but it's going to give you a lot of history. It's going to give you a lot of ideas on who the characters are and the world around it. And then most of them are alphabetical. I like the Zondervan Pictorial Bible Dictionary because it's simple. It has pretty pictures and pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, the best of all, it's about eight bucks. Really good. Uh, and as we said, we've gone over, we see how one text affects the other. We're just going over and we're just looking into the world of the Bible. Finally, we're going to get to a fantastic thing. Why the heck is Joshua in the Bible? How does this text point to Christ? Because I read all the uh, Gospels and I happen to know Jesus doesn't quote Joshua. It doesn't seem like there's anything relevant. Should we just go over and tear out the book of Joshua? Not necessarily. Now, while we're going over and looking at this text, we need to realize that these are tools. I got commentary, I got dictionary, I got introductions, but the Bible should prefer the tools, not the other way around. Don't preach from the commentary. Preach from the Bible, speak from the Bible, evangelize from the Bible, not the tools. I love Ravi Zacharias, but his books are not the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> You're doing amazing. Well, my wife and ten kids are not eating today. <laughs> You're not telling us? So, why is this entire book in here in the first place? Through this, why is Joshua in here? We can find this by looking at the end in of the introduction. It will show you links and references uh, for why is Connected. Or if you have a study Bible. Look at the bottom. You're going to sometimes see verses that will just say uh, random things. Like, huh, why is this in here? Some of them, I guarantee you, will point forward to Hebrews. And it's very simple. We're just asking, why does this affect the New Testament? So this is my redemptive. It's called the Redemptive Historical Summary, a.k.a. How does it point to Jesus? The book of Jesus points to Christ, but can only do so in a whole book context. So when we do this, we can't just say, why does Joshua 2 affect the New Testament? We've got to look at the entire context. By reading the whole Pentateuch, a.k.a. the first five books of the Bible, we see an aspect of rest that started in the Garden of Eden, but was lost through sin. Each book further points to reclaiming a rest where they had dwelled with God. Joshua 21 states, Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to the fathers, and they took possession of it and settled there. And the Lord gave them rest, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not all their enemies have withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord makes the house of Israel failed to come to pass. As found in Joshua chapter 21, verses 43 through 45. So we see rest. But it was only partial rest We're still in the central world Joshua is still in the world And he did give them a rest He did go over, he gave up them part of the land But we're not Last I checked in Joshua you are not in We're not all the saints are gathered in heaven And as I said Jesus doesn't quote Joshua at all But While partial rest was given Man had not re- achieved the rest of dwelling Side by side with God for the rest to be fulfilled, Hebrews states, for if Joshua had given them side by side with God for rest fulfillment, Hebrews uh, God would not have spoken of another day later on. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Who has, ever has entered God's rest is also rested with him in his works as God did from his people. Now, I want to get it, I'm going to ask for a Sunday school answer. Who gives us rest? Jesus. Jesus. Now we're not all gathered in heaven, but when Jesus Christ died, he went over and he gave us a partial rest that will be completed when we're all gathered together in heaven, every tribe, every nation, every together. So Joshua essentially, he's just a partial peace. He gave Israel rest, but it speaks together of a future rest where it just goes to Jesus. So basically, Joshua points back to Genesis, and Genesis points back to Joshua. Joshua points back to Hebrews, which points back to Joshua. It's just so connected. It's like the greatest conspiracy theory ever created. (laughs) (laughs) So when we go over, Joshua was a good leader who simply passed the torch held by following the covenant, the promise given to God, starting in Genesis, where God goes and know, he will bruise, or the snake will bruise his son's heel, but God will crush his head. Some we go over from that small small promises, going all the way through the first five books of the Bible, all the way up to Joshua, then going on to Jesus, coming to now, we still on, haven't fully achieved, but one day it will be completely achieved. But Jesus was the one who filled the people with rest. According to his Hebrews, the Israelites did not arrive fully at the resting place because of their unfaithfulness, yet believers have at last entered in the rest of Jesus Christ which is news for all of us to celebrate. As I said, I haven't, don't have an application for a guest. But I do have some tools over here that can go over and give you a little bit of guidance. Let's see, how much time do I have? I'm ahead of schedule. <laughs> so, I'm just going to go over. I'm going to show you. A study Bible. Have some notes. Have some history. and This is a basic, like, If you go over and you get a study Bible, it's fantastic. I don't necessarily recommend a life application Bible or anything else for this, not because it's not fantastic. Life application Bibles are amazing. But for studying the Word, a study Bible will help give you a better context. A dictionary is fantastic. it shows you the world around you. And honestly, I use that more than I ever used going to get a commentary, I recommend something with a Bible background or historical context. I've got a couple for people to look at. But just remember, that's only if you have a question about a specific Bible verse, not if you uh, want to go over and create a sermon or teach about the entire thing. We get our word from the Bible. Okay. This is essentially everything. Now, I've got a couple of books I'd like to go over and give out to you guys. I've uh, already given out a Bible dictionary, and uh, I've got a survey if anyone later wants to go over. Surveys are just great for looking at the Bible and then focusing on the center point. I've also got a book called Kevin DM, Taking God Out of His Word. So if anyone wants to go over, I recommend you read it, pass it out. But finally, before he's telling me to get off the mic, I'm going to go. I wish I could get you guys uh, all my Bible dictionary. ooh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, what if I said I already bought you all a Bible dictionary? What? Way. <laughs> I know, that's really cool. I didn't buy you all a Bible dictionary technically. But if you go on logos.com and you sign up, that's basically where you can get some free Christian ebooks. You can also get real good discounts. On there, you'll also find the Lexan Bible Dictionary. And I guess I can kind of recommend it because if you look up the section on the Greeks you're going to find my professor of hermeneutics name in it. So I'd say it's a pretty good deal. So basically, quit rushing to an application, read your Bible, try to find it from a historical context, try to find it from a little. And if you need help, guys, uh, I'm more than willing to go over and answer some questions. I'm no, by no means an expert, but I'd love to talk to, you, talk to you. I'm a nerd. This is what I love to do. I'm going to get the heck out of here.